Everyone, welcome to Vita Research Podcast. Today, we're joined by Paul West, CEO and co-founder at Fum Games, the creator of Bitcoin Miner. Um, Paul, thanks for joining the podcast. Do you mind briefly introducing yourself to the audience? Absolutely. Um, thank you for having me on. Um, so, as you said, my name is Paul West. I'm the co-founder of Fum Games. We make idle mobile games, so specifically for the iOS and Android store. Our biggest game today is is Bitcoin Miner, which is a game, an idle game where we pay users real Bitcoin to play. And we are just about to hit 10 million downloads as a studio. A lot of that is towards Bitcoin Miner. And it's got a really cool story I'm looking forward to share with you. Um, we're about 18 people, mostly based in the UK, 16 of us. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's about five years old as a company. And we've just had lots of fun making really cool mobile experiences. Awesome. How did you um, end up building Bitcoin Winner? So it's, it's quite funny because in 2017, I got into, like, that was my first kind of delve into the space in terms of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I love the idea behind the blockchain. So we had an idle game called Zombie Labs, which is very similar to Bitcoin Miner, where you dug zombies out of the earth. And every time you got bigger and better zombies, you kind of earn more typical idle game loop. And as the Bitcoin 2017 kind of bull run reached its height and, and craze, I was like, oh, there's, there's no real idle Bitcoin games in the App Store. Um, and we thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. But, you know, I was, I'm quite a big believer still that Bitcoin has a very big part to play in our future as a species. Um, so I was thinking, well, maybe we could be first mover or early mover. So we pivoted the zombie game to be Bitcoin miner. So that's, I think, four and a half, five years ago. Um, we went to launch the game uh, just as the kind of bear market started. It's typical. If you want to know when a bear market is, um, ask me because it's every time we do something big with that game. Um, so we, we put the, we put Bitcoin miner live on iOS and Android and everything was fine. Apart from the fact we couldn't use your typical marketing channels to, to promote it. So at that point, Bitcoin was less favorable than it is today with the likes of Google and Facebook. So we actually couldn't promote it. So. We rolled the game live and it kind of sat dormant for four years. Didn't really um, generate much activity at all. In fact, we completely forgot about it until earlier this year, in April this year, where we were approached by a partner who could actually add a, a key feature that was really missing. So when we launched Bitcoin Miner kind of four and a half years ago, it was an idle game. There was no earning element for the player. This year in April, uh, we added the ability to actually earn real Bitcoin with a, with a partner called Zebedee. And that is kind of what changed the game for us. Um, the launch weekend, we launched it on a Friday, which is never a good idea. It's actually my birthday weekend as well. But we launched it uh, as in we put the update live, which had, you know, earn, earn real Bitcoin as you play this game. And the first weekend we had like 60,000 installs all organically, mostly from the U.S., 70% day one retention, 90 minute session lengths. And we were like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? 
Um, that was what we call a golden, a golden cohort. The, uh, the numbers aren't still as good as that, but obviously it's quite a bit more scale now, but it very quickly became our, our number one game as a CDO. Awesome. That's, that's, that's amazing story. Maybe let's, before getting deeper into the, the, the numbers and <clears throat> strategy, um, I want to make sure the, the audience understands the game. Can you talk a bit about, um, like briefly what an idle game is and, and how, um, Bitcoin miner works as an idle game? Yes. So it's kind of an idle incremental game, which basically means it, it's great for people who like seeing numbers go up. So I think that's, that helps with the audience that, you know, the theme and the audience that we have, everyone in crypto likes seeing numbers go up. Um, but the, you know, the premise of the game is you start with a, like a, 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 a plot of land and you dig down into the earth to unlock new rows. Each row gives you a, a miner, which will produce a fake like simulated currency. So I think the first one is like a Dogecoin, for example, and then you go down to the next row and you generate another coin. Each coin goes into your piggy bank. Um, and that is kind of your, your bank. You then use those coins to spend, to upgrade the rows, unlock new rows. And all that is kind of just the, the internal game economy. Like there's no like earning at that point. Um, so that's just the idle premise of like the, the loop. Once you get to a certain point, you typically hit a bit of a, like a, a, a wall of like you can't afford the next upgrade. So at that point you do what we call an idle games is prestige which is a great mechanic because as a small studio, it enabled us to make lots of, cap, uh, make, sorry, small amounts of content, but a long duration because you're recycling the same content. So you get to like point one reset, then you can go a bit past point one reset to point two. Um, and you can play the game for, for a lot longer. So that's kind of the premise of idle games. Um, some of the biggest ones you may be familiar with, like, um, venture capitalist is probably the one that kind of got a really big name. There's also, of course, like paper clips for those really into it, like an old web three game, um, very numbers driven. Um, you know, you're earning within playing the game for like 60 minutes, you're earning trillions and trillions of fake coins, um, if not more. So yeah, that's kind of the games that we love making as a studio and as players. So that's why we, we focus on those. Got it. So, um, in a sense, there is no skill required, right? You're basically pushing buttons and it's also much like a passive game, like compared to, you know, simulations game where you have to be a bit more strategic, you have to optimize, um, though even in, in Bitcoin miner, there is some, um, optimization, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've got like wikis in our discord of like how the players have optimized their farms, but the logic being, we've got like development trees where you can choose certain upgrades over others. So you could turn, you could choose, for example, to speed up your coins. So all coins were generated will be moving faster, which obviously would increase your, your overall income. You can increase your offline earnings. You can increase, um, the chance to spawn a boost on a coin, which then in, kind of has an interactive element where you tap the coin and it could split. So, you know, um, or explode and you get the instant reward. And we've also just added a month ago, a brand new meta layer to the game where each row can equip a manager, which has like a unique, um, boost you can activate, which lasts kind of for a couple of minutes. 
and we've got it's kind of like a card like a card collection kind of theme um some really funny characters in it but each one of those when placed on the right row can optimize the game even even more for you so um yeah there's there's quite a lot of strategy behind it don't get me wrong it's not incredibly in depth but um it's definitely enough to keep you busy got it and who's the average audience of an idle game what are their motivations so definitely kind of um so i can tell you about our numbers so we're 75 male um 25 female the audience kind of the age range our biggest demographics are from 25 to 45 year olds um and i think they're I think they're very similar to me. I mean, I, I, I fit in that camp for sure, but it's basically around, you know, seeing progression happen quickly and seeing it happen every time you open the game. So what's great about idle games is you could play the game today, come back tomorrow. And every time, every minute you've been away from the game, the game's carried on playing in the background. So you've been earning. So when you open, you get that dopamine hit of, oh, I've got a trillion coins to spend. Um, I can see, pro I can accelerate progress again. And our games aren't really designed to be played for hours at once in a sitting. Some players do do that, but the majority, they'll drop in in the morning, lunchtime, evening, and then just move, move, you know, move the progress along a little, little smidges each time. Um, both work great for us for, and for the player, but that's typically, I think most people play idle games is kind of fewer, um, no, sorry, smaller durations, but more, more and more sessions. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. And, and in this game, so basically as you are, there is this core loop of, you know, um, pressing the buttons so you can mine, uh, different tokens, right. And there are different like side loops where, you know, you can accelerate, you can use different, um, you can press on different bonus, um, stuff. Um, but eventually as you mine, um, you, you earn these like soft uh, currencies, you know, some, some progression items, um, and maybe you level up, um, and eventually you actually earn, um, you know, real cryptocurrencies, right? Which is the whole, which is what you have done with yeah. the integration with Zebedee in April this year. Correct. Yeah. So the gameplay, so you can play the game without earning anything. And actually, in fact, the majority of our players do. I think when we looked at the last numbers, like the number of people we actually went through to create a wallet to earn the uh, Bitcoin is the only currency we use as real, real uh, cryptocurrency. Um, it was around 30%. So, you know, just under a third of players actually went through the really good and slick Zebedee sign. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily wallet friction creation that is causing the drop off. Um, cause they're, they do have some of the best that we could find in terms of wallet creation, but it's still an extra app to download. It's still an extra few steps to take. Um, so it's definitely not perfect yet, but, um, yeah. So the players can earn Satoshi's, you know, um, fractions of Bitcoin. Um, and they could do those in like three to four different ways within the game from just passively playing from, um, from interacting with certain parts of the game. For example, we have a Satoshi like, treasure hunt in, in the shop area where every four hours, five new Satoshi coins appear and you just literally go tap them and collect them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's not why the majority of players play the game. 
but it's definitely why why a strong you know a, a decent cohort uh in terms of retained players keep playing the game i'd say um but it's been it's been a really interesting stage for us to learn about pre and post integrating this feature and the gutting thing a little bit is we never had much data before we integrated this feature because as i said like the game kind of sat dormant and i'm talking like three four installs a day it's not even anything to play around with so we don't have a perfect crystal clear of like this is what adding this feature did to the game other than it definitely did help <laughs> which is a bit generic um especially with that golden cohort and i have a theory about the app stores which i'm happy to share on 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 on, on why it made such an impact if that helps but yeah yeah, um, sure. yeah so my, my thinking especially with idle games is and we've seen this happen with our other games so we've got non-web3 games we've got like merge monsters which was an idle game a merge idle game we had blacksmith which went top 10 in the us very simple one of the first merge games um and my theory is obviously that golden golden cohort is really valuable and it starts to tell the platforms specifically google which is where um our biggest player base comes from is like, how does this game perform? So the initial results of your game on the store, for me, are very critical. So I'm talking reviews, retention, um, session lengths. And those typically for, well, obviously reviews can be anything, but in terms of like session lengths um, and retention are always very good in idle games. So what's happened in the history of us launching games is we quite often like tip an idle game live without you know, millions of dollars of UA behind it, but we just find the organics just go in this positive halo cycle up, 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 and they hit a ceiling. Um, I think we're getting around 6,000 installs a day, uh, mainly from the U S currently. Um, but that is a very healthy, you know, that's a, that, if you can get very healthy metrics up front, that definitely helps you long-term with organics. And I think that's what Zebedee did with us. It was like cool new feature. People were figuring out how to use it, how to earn the Bitcoin in the game. Hence the 90 minute session links I mentioned earlier, the really good retention. Like, I think there's a lot of people trying to understand how it all worked in this new style. And that helped us launch in April without, without much UA at all. And we've actually really only activated, sorry, user acquisition. We only really activated that quite recently in terms of like scaling it. So. Um, yeah, we've taken our growth, um, quite cautiously this year, rather than in the past, we've just kind of blasted things, try and blast them to the top of the charts. And the challenge we've had with that is you blast up, but you also fall down just as fast. Whereas this has just been steady throughout the year, kind of, um, growth focusing on, on the main KPIs. So that's my theory at least. And it's definitely is more relevant, I think in the Google play store than the Apple app store. Um, we still haven't cracked that perfectly yet. Got it. Um, in terms of the numbers, you know, you mentioned that 30% of the players don't earn anything. They don't. Sorry, the other way around. So oh. 70%. Do oh, wow. not, they, they don't withdraw at least from what Got we've it. seen. But they don't so claim they are... the, their earnings. So Correct. Just... Yeah. And bearing in mind. We're not live in every market in the world as well. So certain territories aren't supported for, you know, for, um, for the financial authority reasons. Um, but we are live in the majority of the biggest countries you'd expect. So, I mean, our biggest territories are US, UK, Brazil, 
Philippines is really big as terms of volume. Um, but yeah, so there is a there is a percentage of players that just can't withdraw. Um, for example, Florida, even like a state, and New York, we're not able to. Uh, Zebedee aren't supporting in that market yet. Um, in terms of licensing and those kind of things, so you know, there's a percentage would we'll never be at 100. percent But yeah, it was a bit surprising to me that actually most people are playing the game for the game, which you know. Which is a great as a game developer, I'm like awesome. Um, but I did expect the call to out, the call to arms of Bitcoin miner was the fact that you could earn real Bitcoin. So, yeah, very interesting. So, seventy percent of players don't claim their rewards. Are you seeing any um, difference in behavior, especially in terms of like retention, session length? figures between those who claim and those who don't claim so we are so one of the other big challenges we've had this year is in housing all of our data um like tech capabilities which it where we are literally just at the point now where we can filter and analyze users by these kind of cohorts so do they withdraw like um if they do what type of user are they the challenge we've got, um, we're looking at it, so it needs a bit more time to investigate, is looking at it through that lens, what, is, what my lead analyst told me recently, it's like, of course, users who, if we look at all the users and look at withdrawal users, of course, naturally, they're going to look better. We need to find a benchmark because they, they've been in the game longer, they've, you know, they're more invested. Um, and then we've got, we're comparing them with all the, all the other cohorts, like people who just install it, don't like the first word and jump off. So what we're looking at now, literally, as we prepare for our live event, which is coming up this Christmas is um, what, like, what's a good benchmark? Like, it's probably more something like day three users versus withdrawal, you know, first withdrawal users. We're just trying to find out what's a fair comparison to actually say, okay, what, you know, what type of users uh, do we want to kind of look at uh, apples and you know, pears against? So yeah, we don't, it just sounds like a really cop out answer because we actually don't know yet. This is where we've just been enhancing the capabilities. I mean, we've grown the team, we've almost doubled the team in a year. So it's kind of, it's it's been quite a lot of movement quite quickly for us. Um, I I do believe there'll be different behavior for sure. Um, for example, we know people who are really purely interested in withdrawing. So for example, certain types of users in the Philippines who are like, you know, this, money necessarily means more to them because we pay everyone equally, right? You could be in the US, you could be in the Philippines, you could earn the same amount irrelative of where you're based. Um, I th naturally, the dollar has uh, kind of more strength in terms of the local economy over there. So the types of users who play the game and are just purely focused on withdrawing have found the way to, um, it's not, it, I need a better word than exploit because it's not exploit the game, it's play it optimally to withdraw. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, there's a mechanic we have called prestiging. If you prestige often and move through the game quickly, like the earlier, so like that is the way to earn quickly. Spoiler alert. Um, um, so yeah, that's something that we see happen a lot. And we have to manage that obviously internally in terms of uh, you know, how often players can do that and, and prestige, which has actually been, been okay, very manageable for us so far. So um, we're not planning to change that yet. How much can a player earn um, a day maximum? So the, we have a daily withdrawal limit in, in um, 
So we, we quite often do like live, like live weekend, like double earn weekends or, you know, increase withdrawals weekends. But as of right now, our daily withdrawal limit is uh, 500 Satoshis, which is, you know, in terms of comparing it to all other web three games in the past, sounds incredibly low. Like bear in mind, I mean, five, five, I actually have to calculate how much that is. It's like nine three. cents, I think. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Oh, you're good. Um, yeah, it's nine cents. So it's, you know, it's, it's relatively low, um, which might be the reason why, you know, we only have that 30% people while they're withdrawing. Right. Um, and also you have to get to that point to be able to withdraw that. You can't just start the game on day one and earn nine cents. You have to kind of put some investment up front in terms of time to get to the stage where you can actually be earning 500 satoshis every day. So, um, yeah, that's our current plans, but we do have plans to increase that um, because one of the challenges we've had since we launched is literally having like no security. Um, so initially a lot of the Bitcoin that we were kind of sending out was people, you know, um, exploiting. It's fair to use that word because uh, it wasn't kind of used, you know, playing the game. It was finding a way to crack the game and then withdraw the Bitcoin. So that's where a lot of our time has been focused on kind of tightening the gaps there to spot those exploits, remove them, prevent them. Um, and we've just done a big update, which should do the biggest reduction to that possible. And then what we plan to do is just pass that saving onto the user. So literally the goal is to hopefully like even double the amount of withdrawals per day potentially. So um, that's something we're working towards. We just have to keep keep control of the bad actors and keep those those minimized. So the withdrawals are limited to five hundred sats per day. But as a as a player, like, are you able to you know say you know on average you can earn up to I don't know two hundred sats, one thousand sats, or like if if I play for twenty four hours, can I you know um, earn I don't know five thousand sats? Um. Ultimately, good question. Ultimately, if you maximize the game, I think it is around 5,000 sats that you can earn in 24 hours. I think we did crunch these numbers recently to see. And also the challenge we've got is there's never really a flat bed. For example, we're about to do a live event where you'll earn even more during that period. So 25th of December, we're doing a, a live event called Santa's Moonshot, where it's like a brand new element to the game. You, you build a rocket mining like Christmas coins, like out of the, out of the earth. And then you blast Santa to the moon. Um, during that event, there'll be like bigger rewards for players. So obviously they're kind of time things. Then we do the double earnings weekends. Like I said, triple earnings weekends. We do like competitions where players can, you know, earn 10 X their, their rewards that month. Zebedee also quite often match kind of what we pay out as well. So like, you know, if they would draw 500, they'll get 500 from Zebedee. We're doing that for this event as well. So. It's never consistent, but typically I think around 5,000, if you absolutely max out, well, you can never max it, it's an idle game, it's endless. But you, if you get kind of, kind of to the top end where the grind just becomes really, really tight, I think it is around like 4,800 or something the number came out at, um, but don't quote me on that. If... Okay. And like, again, the idea here is that, you know, um, by rewarding real money-ish rewards, by rewarding real uh, sats, tokens, um, you're actually able to increase retention and potentially increase LTV um, without having too much impact on, you know, the customer acquisition or let's call it 
um, customer engagement costs, right? And and these numbers are just uh, pretty like small numbers compared to you know the other play to earn games, which are promising like uh, crazy APYs. Um, you know, if you're like rewarding seventy nine cents a day, um, you know, and assuming that just thirty percent of the players actually claim those rewards, that sounds like a really good. Um, really good economics, at least. Of course, I don't know the LTV or average revenue per user, but that sounds like good economics from 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 this conversation. Yeah, um, the the economics are healthier than any game we've ever had when we look at the UA pipe, right? Um, so we're able to kind of break even on our user acquisition costs. We aim for. Like the, the latest we want to break even is day 60, which to a lot of studios, like established studios, like, you know, they have like day 360 or, you know, kind of that kind of things. But as a smaller studio, like that's something we've been like working towards. Um, there's a big benefit for us that we do get like a healthy amount of organics as well, which kind of helps. It, we don't need them to, to make the campaigns profitable. It does help like that, you know, that base layer. Um, but the th the interesting learning we had so, so my background, I used to be, um, uh, I started in games 10 years ago, at a studio called neon play in the UK. Like first week we were at Apple's 10 billion downloads from the app store. It was like, welcome to the industry, like crazy, crazy week for me. Um, and the studio, then I worked for a company called ad colony, which was acquired by opera, um, in like 2015, 2016, but they invented rewarded video ads. Um, so that's like ad, the ad background is very much my, my kind of expertise. So user acquisition and ad monetization. The reason I mentioned that is because the thing that I expected to happen with this feature of earning real Bitcoin was our user acquisition costs would drop. Cause you know, we're literally saying, come and earn free Bitcoin by playing this fun game. I was like, who, like, I was like who's not going to want to do that? The interesting thing was it didn't really move the needle on the cost per install. Um, it was. In fact, it may not have been the healthiest campaigns we ran. Um, and by that, I mean, the CPI was about the same as like, here's the game, play it. And here's the game, play it and earn. Like there was really not much margin in the actual CPI from what we found in our testing, but what did, um, and, and actually in some cases, when we said play and earn a lot of the, and your listeners will know this, but a lot of the kind of ex um, expectations from web three player web three game players right now is you know i can maybe quit my job to play this game um you know which i've never but well, it clearly is, hasn't been sustainable and isn't sustainable um for for the majority i should say so players would come to the game knowing they could earn and then be slightly disappointed by the amount they earn leave a one-star review so like our biggest one-star review is i played this game for a week and i've only earned 50 cents and it's like what other game on the App Store pays you to play it? Like, it's, a, it's such a funny review for me. If we heard this five years ago, we'd be like, someone's like reviewing you for that. Um, but it is true. And, and you know, one of the mistakes we made was talking about earning a lot in our ad content, because like I, like we talked about seven, nine cents a day, isn't going to change the world. It's going to change your life at all. So it's kind of a bit of a, it's, it's not the right message for us to lead in with. We, are, we, we tested that and actually just reviews like i said cpis were the same but what we've gone back to is more like the here's just a really cool game oh and by the way if you want some bitcoin you know it's a cheeky reward for you type of thing um 
So yeah, that was um, that was one of the learnings on the user acquisition side. But about the same, but on the retention side, as I said, I don't have great data on this because we don't have the volume before, but it's by far our highest retaining game we've ever built. Um, um, probably double the day 30 um, of our last best game, which is like the Merge Monsters and Blacksmiths of the world. So, and I do think, you know, the earning part has has a play with that, has a, has a part to play in that. Amazing. And like the CPI, you know, didn't change much, but when you think about the fact that there are more organic growth, probably the blended customer acquisition cost is, is lower. Um, and because you have higher retention, probably the LTV is higher. So the, the economics do, you know, at net play out better, but it's, it's really interesting what you just shared. Um, how, how did you think about marketing and why do you think there's such high organic growth? Um, apologies, my lights have just gone out in this, uh, in this um, so I'm going to walk and talk and turn them back on. Um, sorry, Matthew, would you mind re re repeating the question? Yeah. Um, how were you thinking about marketing and, uh, do you yes. think organic growth is high because of, uh, word of mouth from, you know, users that, that earn or love the game? Yeah. Love, okay, love this question because that's that's what I do at the company. So, um, for me, the constant discussion in mobile apps is, you know, the, the customer acquisition cost is rising and rising and rising, and it's been the same for the past six years. When I was at Ad Colony, it's the number one thing everyone always asked us about: is, oh, how come your CPIs keep going up? And obviously, it's because it's an industry that's really established now and has a super low barrier to entry. Anyone could download Unity, make a game. Anyone can log into Facebook and create an ad. So, um, in terms of how we thought about it is, and this is a, a novel or, you know, unique idea, but we've spent a lot of emphasis on capturing players at the studio level rather than at the game level. So for example, um, you know, we're in a hits driven business, Bitcoin miners doing okay now, but you know, the shelf life of it, who knows, um, we're investing heavily into it to try and you know, keep it and grow it, but at the same time. You know, I'm a player, I'm quite fickle. I'll jump to the next best thing. Um, so what we've done is put a heavy emphasis on Discord um, and invested a lot in that this year. So we, you know, we hired specific people to run that, to kind of provide a lot of value to the players within it. Um, so a good example, when we launched Bitcoin Miner, we had 4,000 users in Discord at the at Fun Games level. So Fun Games Discord, not a Bitcoin Miner Discord. Um, now we have, I think we're about to hit 70,000, um, from, from players, basically mostly interested in Bitcoin miner, but there is a cohort that do like our other games as well. Um, so we've, we've used the usual channels for this title, um, different to 2017. We can now run on Google. We can now run on Facebook. We can use Apple search ads. You can do all the typical user acquisition channels that probably a lot of your mobile studios will, will know, be aware of. The one that we haven't been able to use play and earn messaging on, but we are now live on as of this week is TikTok. So that's quite an interesting one for us because obviously it's, um, a powerhouse of kind of volume. So we've engaged that this week. Um, and previously we've tried to use it, but the play and earn messaging has been a blocker for us. Um, but now that as I said, we've kind of pivoted away from the earn specifically messaging 
and just here's the game and yeah that, that's fine so in terms of the strategy of marketing as as we we're kind of like looking at what the audience looks like um i saw a really good talk by simon Hayde of space eight at the user acquisition society like a couple of couple of months ago a couple of weeks ago and he talked you know when they made beatstar their really good music game they surveyed the players like literally on open they asked players like basically asked who are you in terms of like what's your interest what do you like about the game what don't you like in a really nice way that sounds horrible how i described it but they did it in a really clean succinct only a couple of questions way and we've just built that in-house to be able to do that as well so we can actually start to understand a bit more you know what what percentage are there for the earning what percentage are there for the you know to try and get to the moon you know to unlock the picky hat with the cowboy hat to unlock the elon musk manager that that kind of stuff so we can actually start to go okay well if this is what they're interested in a we can start to like maybe shape the content more around that or even make make our marketing you know more about that so this you know this is how this whole year has been like a experiment on web3 um for us and we're still kind of finding our feet with it but now it's kind of not, now it's where we have the size the mau to be able to go okay how big is the ceiling on this thing like when does bitcoin become an off-put rather than an attraction do you know what i mean um and that's where we're exploring basically got it um interesting i mean it's it's really good that you're able to um, acquire users through Discord organically. That is that is you know what a lot of um, obviously Web three games are trying to do, but it's it's not easy. And when you when you said that you're talking to the players, I assume that you're doing like user interviews, right? Um, so we're actually going to be doing in game surveys. So like when you open the game. There'll be a f like a few questions that will be like you know written by the the, the kind of research team here or the you know, the, the, the data uh, lead, which is like trying to understand the motivations and the behaviours that they they kind of have. Um, so we haven't got that data yet, but that is something we've we've literally built um, in the last sprint to to be able to capture. We do also survey the players in Discord. Um, the question we have is, and it's, it's kind of it's valuable for sure because it's the community's input but the challenge we have is you know how are those the players that are bringing the most value to the product in terms of you know are they the spenders are they the True. are they the ones that are around day 30 um and that's where you can't necessarily filter by that lens within discord you know so that's an interesting nft perhaps could solve that problem right if we can connect those exactly. two things together so um not that we're doing that uh or any plans to do that but that for me is why nft is like a you know it's kind of a, as a studio with a commercial hat on that's quite an exciting idea because data is the biggest you know the biggest resource we've lost this year um and that could help unify it potentially so i guess even sold on tokens could work as well right so that you can identify well, better, who yeah. the layer is on the Discord channel, because right now you don't have that data rights. No. Like the data you have on, on, on for, for the game and on Discord, they don't speak to each other. Correct. Yeah. So so we do survey the players because we'd love to hear what they input. We have like suggestions channel, we have feedback. We have loads of different, the typical things that you probably find in most of your famous, sorry, 
most popular Web3 uh, Discord channels. Um, but yeah, we but the 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 game data for us still holds more value because we can look through the lens of player quality is the wrong word, but you know, uh, user behavior. What is the multi-active user, by the way? The MAU, uh, I think it peaked around around half a million MAU. Wow. We're roughly around like 300, 350 at the moment. Um, we're basically preparing to do a big push for our live event, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, in December. So um, that's what we're kind of gearing up towards. Yeah. Nice. Um, and why did you decide to go with Zebedee? Great question. Um, for me, a lot of things come down to the people. I just really liked the people when I met them. Um, the product looked good. Obviously, I tested it. But the thing that really kind of hits home is how seriously they took the financial, like regulatory, their behavior was uh, really impressive in terms of they'd taken a lot longer to get to market because they've tried to do it the best way, getting authorization from the, all the financial bodies that they needed to, especially in our key territories, US, UK. Um, I mean, they're almost a fin, I don't know what they like to be called, like a fintech company, but they have gone that route of gamification of payments, which for me was like, okay, I feel more confident in this, you know, than, than potentially other partners. But that said, not that there's hundreds of other partners to choose from that are using Bitcoin Lightning payments. That's something I should mention, actually, is that we do use Bitcoin Lightning. Um, and for those listening that aren't familiar with it, I wasn't either until April. Um, but my understanding, you know, understanding of it is built upon Bitcoin, um, incredibly low to zero gas fees, um, incredibly fast payments, typical of what you'd expect. But um, its limitations are the volume, you know, the amount you can send in one transaction. So if you're trying to send a Bitcoin through the Bitcoin Lightning Network, the liquidity isn't necessarily there to do that through the notes. But that's fine for us because the use case is millions. I mean, we've done over a million Bitcoin transactions, well over a million Bitcoin transactions this year. The fees on that would have terrified me if it was, you know, um, and obviously the energy consumption and the rest of it. So this, uh, for me, this is a real positive um, piece of tech that we're quite happy to push as well um, because of those reasons, you know, the efficiency, the low cost um, bundling transactions in that way is really, really healthy and I think a good message for the for the for the industry to hear. So um it's quite funny that a lot of people have said to us that they've learned and discovered Bitcoin through this game. Um almost like an educational resource, which is um which is quite fun to enable that to, you know, new people and bring it to, you know, people you wouldn't necessarily expect to know of or own Bitcoin. They do, but not on Coinbase. Um but you know in, in, uh, in Zebedee. It's definitely a great onboarding tool, um, for, for, for like normies into crypto. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a good learning curve there. Um, that's why we've tried to, I mean, the game is heavily, you know, thematic in terms of the cryptocurrency, you know, we like, we have the terms hodl in it. Like, do you want to hold or when we prestige, which is when you sell everything and start again and go through the loop again, like, do you want to hodl? Um, or do you want to sell? Um, and like, it's probably one of the most common questions is what's HODL? And that was me as being like a bit of a crypto, you know, enthusiast from 2017. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? What does HODL mean? <laughs> um, 
so yeah, we have we put like um, descriptions of Hoddle in the loading tips and stuff, um, those kind of stuff to help help break down the barriers of of the you know of the vocabulary, I guess. Yeah. So um, one question I'm very curious about is what does Apple think about you rewarding players with real money ish, you know, cryptocurrencies? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I still think it's a bit of a, a gray area. I mean, we see a lot of, you know, we see a lot of kind of, I don't know if it's consistent or not what we see currently, um, from different studios, different apps that submit to the stores. Um, we, we have the game live on, obviously on the, on the app store. Um, so you dropped off there. Um, and we have it live on the Google play store and it's been live since April. Um, I think Apple probably a bit more stricter on new things we can add, but the key thing I would advise anyone who's looking into the space is, um, like there are a couple of things that I think some have slipped through the radar on the app store that should that probably, you know, will get caught and, and pulled up on at some point, but things like you, sh that's, you know, you, you can cross the line into another territory or another classification of game, whether it's gambling or sweepstake quite easily. If you do certain things, for example, if you charge a player, uh, an app purchase, which allows them to earn more, um, then that becomes this weird space of actually, is that gambling then? Cause you're paying to withdraw. Like, so, you know, I think directly connecting those two things is not, is not a recommended move. Although I do know like Sweatcoin do that right as an app, um, in terms of you can purchase a, a, a premium subscription and then you can double your earnings of, of the sweat coin. Right. Um, maybe that's different because it's a health thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, it's a really positive message sweat coin in terms of get move in and, you know, uh, and earn at the same time, which I think is, is a cool thing. Although I did get burned at stepping despite your warnings, I did get burned. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's still a little bit of a gray area, I think for everyone, like, you know, in terms of the platforms and regulation, I mean, it's still so, so nascent really, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess like over the next six to nine months, we're going to have a bit more clarity on, on Apple's stance. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And uh, final question, what is next for from games? Um, and is there anything you want to, you know, share with the, with the audience? Yeah, for sure. So we're really. If you love idle games, definitely check out what we do. Um, we are focused quite heavily onto the idle space, um, incremental games. We love them as individuals within the team, but also they've worked great for us as a, as a studio. Um, uh, we're about to hit 10 million downloads of the idle games, which is quite a big milestone for us. Um, two things I would mention to look out for from us, obviously jump on our Discord, Fun Games Discord, as um, you'd be very welcome. But the second thing is two big events we've got. One is um, the live event, Santa's Moonshot, which would be cool and a fun, like, kind of fun time to join the game if you haven't had a chance to play yet, um, which will start on Christmas Day till like the, I think around the 20, 28th, 29th of December, which will just be a short, fast, like um, blast to use a pun relevant to shooting Santa on a rocket. Um, and then the second thing is we've got more games similar to this in, in development. 
So the way we develop games is to prototype, to market test, and then to build. And I'm quite excited for two games that we've got coming, which have passed the marketability test for us internally, which means they'll be going into like production. Uh, well, one of them's already in production, one of them's about to. So um, yeah, keep it, if you're into this kind of game, um, we've got more coming. How do you conduct those tests? How do you conduct them? Uh, so primarily on Facebook, just as like, what are the CPIs? So we create an ad, which links to a prototype, just so we can see the onboarding marketing funnel. Um, typ typically a lot of hyper-casual studios have developed their hyper-casual games this way. You know, what's the CPI? But then we start, so we move on to the initial stages. How much does it cost to acquire a user in the US? Second stage is how long do they stay for? Like, you know, what's the day one, day three, day seven retention? What's the session lengths? And then we start to, once we see good data from there, we know if we can get players to come back, we should be able to, you know, monetize them in a healthier way. Um, so we kind of just kind of double down from that point and build, build the game out to be like, okay, what's the same for like day 30 and, you know, and, and beyond kind of retention hooks. So, um, yeah, so the way we, we do web three is obviously quite different to, I think a lot of other studios, um, we don't have NFTs, we don't have our own token. We have Bitcoin. Um, and for us, we did it this way because it is the, for us, the most frictionless and nicest way to move into this direction. Um, we all know about like certain Ponzi scheme you know, and those kind of things that have kind of almost a little bit toxified the web three gaming space, in my opinion, me and my co-founder were like, how can we do this in the right way for the player? Like they play the game as they always do and they enjoy it and they just get like nice rewards now and then that's the direction we are going to maintain because it seems to be working so far. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, a lot of founders, um, should like diligently study what you guys are doing because i think this is like one of the rarest uh, clean success cases in the industry um so yeah both thanks again for joining this was a fun conversation and i think it was pretty informative as well um so thanks for your time always a pleasure to chat and uh yeah thank you thanks for having me on thanks listener thanks for listening and see you on another episode